0: Hello, Painfully Earnest podcast about magic and mental health. This episode is going to be light on the comedy and heavy on the painfully earnest because I have been going through what the kids call it. I'm your local sad witch. You might have read a BuzzFeed article about me because my tears have become the local desalination plant's new favorite source of water. How are you doing today? Um, I'm depressed, which is a new look for me. I tend to lean towards anxiety and panic as my everyday aesthetic. But every once in a while I like to reach out into that infinite voice of sadness I contain within myself and get really heckin' sad. Fun fact, I manage to maintain the physical symptoms of anxiety while dealing with the psychological symptoms of depression. So I'm like ambidextrous for mood disorders. Get on my level. And just a shout-out to anyone listening who deals with depression regularly. It fucking blows, hey? I've been anxious for so long that, as horrific as it is sometimes, I've almost become used to it. I've developed a tool set. I know there are certain things I can do to help mitigate the symptoms. There are routines I can follow to reduce the likelihood of me having a panic attack. There are medications that I know will work for me. And when all else fails, there are benzos, which can force your body to stop a panic attack. (laughs) I was talking to someone and I said, Uh, you know, I wish there were benzos for depression that could just force me to be happy. And then I realized, like, almost every recreational drug is like a benzo for depression. Uh, but with, with adverse side effects. And I'm just going to be honest with you, this episode is going to be a little darker because depression is really dark. The thing I always say about anxiety is that anxiety is fear-based but it's a fear of failing and of things ending and it's this sort of irrational way that your body is trying to protect you but with a maniacal sort of enthusiasm. (laughs) Anxiety is trying way too hard to keep you alive And depression isn't. It's almost the opposite. I'm going to read you a poem because I'm a moody bitch and this is all I do now. I listen to Lana Del Rey and I read sad poetry. So this is Not Waving, But Drowning by Stevie Smith. Nobody heard him, the dead man, but still he lay moaning I was much further out than you thought And not waving, but drowning Poor chap, he always loved larking and now he's dead It must have been too cold for him, his heart gave way, they said Oh, no, 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 it was too cold always Still the dead one lay moaning I was much too far out all my life And not waving, but drowning Uh, I heard that poem in high school I think they taught it in my English class in grade 11 or 12 or somewhere around there And I remember thinking it was My little emo teenage self just loved that shit Uh, This idea of floundering and drowning And crying out for help and not receiving it seemed very melodramatic and suitable to my sensitivities at the time. And I didn't know how literal it could be. Well, the sensation of drowning, of not being able to catch your breath, of... And I'm just going to deviate for a second because I have a rant... (laughs) And I don't know if this is the energy I want to bring to the podcast, but it's all I got, so it's what we're getting. Um, I always hear, whenever they do these, like, mental health awareness campaigns, you know, if you're feeling sad, if you're having thoughts of self-harm, reach out. Reach out. And no one talks about the fact that there aren't many places to reach out to. Short of a crisis line, which I highly recommend, crisis lines are amazing, it is incredibly hard to get mental health support when you're in a crisis. I don't have a family doctor. I can't get one, I've been trying for years. I don't have access to a psychiatrist or a psychologist. I'm on a six-month waitlist I'm on a three-month waitlist for counseling and when there are days when you can't go to work because you spend your whole day crying a three-month waitlist isn't gonna help I did find some resources And I'm doing a lot better now. I actually, I thought this was hokey when I heard about it, but online doctors, there are a bunch of services if you look up sort of like online walk-in clinics. I don't know where you are, so it'll probably vary, but it's amazing because when you're depressed, it's very difficult to leave your house and to summon up the energy to go and physically be in a place and explain your problems to a stranger it's incredibly demanding and I was able to have a video chat with a doctor who specialized in mental health just a clinic um, but who, who knew about mental health and he was able to adjust my prescription without me having to leave and I was able to send someone else to collect my prescription for me so It is possible, but it's hard. It's really fucking hard. And I just get really frustrated when I hear people saying, you know, just reach out. It's like, trust me, I'm trying. I'm trying really hard to reach out. I'm drowning out here. And I'm flailing, trying to summon the lifeguard And people at the shore are just waving back at me and being like, oh, she always loved a (laughs) larking. Fuck me, right? (laughs) And you know what? That's why we've got witchcraft. (laughs) Because you got three months to wait uh, before you have access to affordable counseling, and I've got some spells that'll hold you over until then. Okay, thank you for... Entertaining my melodramatic seg, um, coming back. I'm not an expert on depression, but in my experience, in my life, I've dealt with two kinds of depression. And I call them the big sad and the yawning void. They both suck, but in unique and exciting ways. Lately, I've been living in the big sad. You will know when you are in the Big Sad because you will be crying. You will listen to too much sad music. You will break down at the smallest obstacles. You will be consistently exhausted from hauling around your overwhelming emotions. If this sounds like you, hey, welcome to the Big Sad Club. I'm sorry, this club is terrible. The problem with the Big Sad and being in that state is you're not really in a place where you can heal from it. All the things that help with depression, like exercise and sunlight and socialization, all that shit is way too overwhelming. Like we barely have the energy to shower. You think I'm gonna go for a run in the sun? Uh, That would, you know, cut into my weeping on the floor time. It is very difficult to continue on with your routine or to meet the basic requirements of being an adult while you are in this space. Not because you lack motivation, um, which I find is the case when I'm in the yawning void, as I just sort of lose all pleasure and lack motivation. But when you're in the big sad, you just literally can't. You're, You're just frail, a glass person. I always call myself an overripe peach and the slightest pressure feels like it'll bruise or shatter. Uh, And you might have a very valid reason for being sad. You might be grieving or processing trauma. Or you might just have a terrible genetic propensity to be suddenly blindsided by mental illness. Like stumbling on a curb and landing in a whirlpool. You can't even see where you tripped until it's too late. This is extra fun too. Because if it happens without a trigger, you get to live the rest of your life in fear of it happening again at any time. It's like a tag team, depression causing anxiety. I appreciate that camaraderie. Teamwork makes the dream work. (laughs) When people, uh, including doctors, hear that you're depressed, they give you lots of very helpful advice. Go for a walk get some sun, spend time with friends, see a therapist, start a new hobby, spend time doing the things that you love. So cool, I wasn't able to get out of bed today, and you think I'm going to take up stamp collecting right now. The problem is that advice is actually really good for mild depression or anhedonia, which is the lack of pleasure which is often a symptom of depression. Um, But it ain't shit when you're deep in the throes of big sad. You aren't going to be, quote unquote, cured from this space. But you are going to survive. And you're going to get yourself to a more manageable level of depression where you can follow that very helpful advice and get to a place where you feel sad when sad things happen, but happy when happy things happen. I think they call that healthy. So you can get there, but you can't get there from here. There's a middle step. I think of being in the big sad, like being stuck in Jurassic Park. I'm not taking up nude modeling right now. I'm running from a T-Rex. We're in survival mode out here. We are not doing forest bathing. Ah. I just wanna issue a content warning for the following section. I'm gonna release two versions of this episode, one that cuts out this section and one that doesn't. This section will be discussing suicidal ideation. If you're not in a place to talk about that right now, that's great, I have another version for you. Stop this podcast right now, note the timestamp, jump over to the other episode. I have a fun musical interlude that you can listen to instead. This is the extra dark stuff, but I think it's important to talk about. When I say you're in survival mode, I mean it very literally. Often people in this space struggle with suicidal ideation. When your suffering is acute and overwhelming, death starts to sound real chill. There are two kinds of suicidal ideation. There is passive suicidal ideation, which is very common. My doctor called it window-shopping death. You don't actually want to die, but like, if it happened, it wouldn't be terrible, right? If you've never had these thoughts before, and then they suddenly start, it will likely scare the shit out of you. Personally, I was too scared to tell anyone because I just, I've been seeking mental health treatment for so long and the, th- the question they always ask is, are you considering harming yourself or someone else? And if you say yes, that's when the big red flag comes. And I didn't want that red flag, but I decided to tell my doctor the truth. Um, take a deep breath. And this is what I learned. Passive suicidal ideation is normal. In fact, a huge percentage of people will deal with it in their life. And almost none of them will talk about it. Because, you know, we're all about destigmatizing mental health problems until it gets to the real dark shit. And then everyone's real cagey. So when I told my doctor I was having these thoughts, I was terrified. And he explained to me that it was normal and that I'm not in immediate danger. And I swear to all the deities that I leveled up right there. And then (laughs) there are those weird moments in life when you're aware of a transformative experience while it's happening. And this was me acknowledging my shadow, some of the darkest stuff there to a complete stranger and being met without shock or judgement and being told that my experiences are common and that small action made the whole thing so much more bearable knowing that I'm not alone knowing that I'm not broken I'm just really fucking sad in contrast to passive suicidal ideation there is active suicidal ideation so this is the kind where you have a plan you've thought about how you do it or maybe you've been casually purchasing sleeping pills for a while or you changed your commute so that it passes over a bridge and now this is the red flag stuff and if you're in this space If you're in this space right now while you're listening to this, uh, I mean, I'm here, but I would start by calling a crisis line. If you are not sure if you're in this space, if you're somewhere in the gray area between passive and active, just call a crisis line. They're awesome. I once called a crisis line because someone else I knew was threatening suicide and I just didn't know how to handle it. So I called the line because they didn't want to. Um, And these people are so helpful. You can't shock them. They'll listen to you. Don't worry if your problem is big enough or too big. Just call. Uh, I've included a whole bunch of numbers in the description of this episode. Again, I don't know where you are, uh, but a quick Google search. Honestly, if you just search the word suicide, Google will automatically send you to the nearest crisis line (laughs) because you know what? It might be Big Brother and a symptom of late-stage capitalism, but Google does not want you to kill yourself. I know people who have called the cops on themselves because they were scared of what they'd do. I know people who've called an ambulance for themselves because they were scared. I know people who've called a cab and showed up at a friend's house in the middle of the night because they were scared. Do what you gotta do. There is a fucking T-Rex after you. Making a scene is justified. Don't tell yourself like, oh, that T-Rex is still 100 meters away, so I'll just wait it out and see if it, you know, resolves itself. You see that T-Rex, you call the line, and you start taking emergency actions. I need all of you suffering with mental illness to stay with me, because I'm not gonna do it alone out here, okay? So we are a team. (laughs) All of us in the big sad are gonna stick through this together, and it's gonna suck, and we're gonna do it anyway because there's something better on the other end. Also, um, before I added this section, I did a lot of research because I'd heard that talking about suicide increases the likelihood of suicide. There was no data to back that up. In fact, the inverse is much more likely. So I don't know who's been spreading these lies, but it's bullshit. Talk to your friends. Talk to your prescription pals, okay? (laughs) Um, Talk to your therapist. Talk to anyone. uh, Talking about it doesn't increase the likelihood. If you have a friend who you think might be suicidal, talk to them about it. You can use the big S word, um, and it's not going to suddenly trigger something in their brain if they've been thinking about it. They'll get there on their own, so... You reaching out and letting them know that they're not alone is going to do so much more good than harm. Let's look out for each other. It's a rough world. Okay, so that is all the suicide talk. Let's get back to being just very depressing instead of utterly and painfully and uncomfortably depressing, hey? And let's talk about the big sad. The Big Sad is an unstable place to be, and it feels like drowning. I imagine if you've ever been surfing or paddle boarding or something, it's like trying to stand on water and you just can't get a foothold. You, you know, you're trying to climb out, but your foundation is so shaky, it's going to give out. Depression is like a separate entity with its own will to survive at your expense. Like, how many other mental illnesses propel themselves with the enthusiasm of depression, you know? Oh, socialization helps? I'm gonna make that unbearably difficult. That hobby that brings you joy? I'll be taking that, thank you. You've realized you need to go to the doctor for medication. Why don't you just take a nap instead? Sneaky little bastard. Depression has a similar effect on witchcraft. Casting spells is based on intention, really pressing your will into the universe. But depression has a nasty way of clouding intention. And I have two strategies to get around this. Itty-bitty teeny-tiny magic and compartmentalization. So first, let's talk about itty-bitty teeny-tiny magic. If you are in the throes of the big sad, there is no space to be writing petitions and making spell jars. Those more elaborate rituals require you to maintain your intention for a decent amount of time. Like flying with fairy dust and happy thoughts. If you lose the happy thoughts, you fall. So fuck them. Tinkerbell is a dick anyway. We can circumvent depression's defense mechanisms by lowering our standards. A lot. (laughs) One of my favorite small magics is to speak kindly to a kettle as it boils and lovingly select tea based on what I want my day to look like. But it's pretty hard to speak lovingly when depression has you convinced that both you and the world are in fact flaming trash heaps. You are not a flaming trash heap. I'm not totally convinced that the world is not a flaming trash heap. So, instead of trying to press your intention and your kindness into a cup of tea. Just make a cup of tea. That's self-care. Instead of pressing your kindness in advance, thank yourself in retrospect. Why thank you, me, for making this cup of tea despite your crippling inability to feel joy. Gratitude is an easier emotion to summon than goodwill. It's very small, and it's retroactive and you only need it for a split second. One millisecond of gratitude for the work that you've put in, and BAM! That's a blessed kappa, my friend. So, you're not in a place to be celebrating nature and forest bathing. Here is your small goal. Get your body into sunlight and or fresh air. Some strategies might include opening a window, lying next to a window, Standing on the street in front of your house, crying in the sunshine and being annoyed that the weather doesn't match your sadness. That's fire and air. Two out of the four elements, friend. Drink a glass of water or, you know, cry. Now we're at three elements. Put a rock or dirt or a bit of plant in your pocket. Four out of four. You are killing this. You don't need to cast or summon. You can... Be a pile of blankets on the floor and still have all four elements. I am very partial to magic that can be done from a pile of blankets. And you know what, if you didn't get all four, you, you get what you can, who cares? Let's be honest, you're not in balance right now and you won't be for a minute, so let's just call in the magical help we can and just high-five ourselves for that. This is a time where instead of pressing your intention outwards, you're going to summon support inwards towards yourself. If you're in a self-loathing space, first off, hi, hello, welcome. Second off, try to care for something other than yourself. This is why millennials are obsessed with houseplants. Our lives are in shambles and we need to project onto something simpler and more manageable, like a cactus. Water a plant. Don't have a plant? Text someone. Demand they bring you a plant. This plant is now your sad friend. Give them a name that's better than sad friend. And tell them they're pretty. Hype up that plant. And again, this can be done from your blanket heap. There's also magic that can be done from bed. Sometimes I just try and meditate, clear my mind a little. And come up with a one or two-word mantra. Something I can call on to interrupt really negative thought spirals. And I told you one of mine in a previous episode for when I'm walking is good earth. Oh, I don't know what my brain does when it's in this state, but some of my mantras are out there. Like, <laughs> Sometimes my mantra is tomorrow, just reminding me that there is another day, and it will be different than this one. Sometimes my mantra is whatever, (laughs) like I refuse to entertain these thoughts. Another favorite mantra is heck off. Where I decide to just dissociate from my depression and be really rude to it. Because anger is a lot easier to feel and deal with when you're in that state. So I've got three techniques for you that we've talked about. Or maybe four. Yeah, four. I've got four techniques that we've talked about in terms of itty-bitty teeny-tiny magic. We have retrospective thanks and gratitude for whatever you manage to accomplish when you're in this space. You are your own cheerleader right now. And especially if you can thank yourself for something physical like a shower or a cup of tea, that means that that, whatever it is, that thing becomes blessed with that intention and becomes even more powerful. And then the next time you have a cup of tea, it'll be a little easier and so on and so forth until you're just like throwing back green tea all day, hyped up on matcha and you're too strung out on caffeine to feel sad anymore. (laughs) We talked about calling in the elements for support. And this can be very minor. You might have stuff that you use to call in the elements normally um, if you perform ritual work. Just bring that stuff to your blanket heap and say, hey, (laughs) I like to call in favors. Be like, remember that time I left the fairies an offering? Yo, fairies, can you help the lady out? I know there are lots of different traditions, but at least in Italian, Folklore and, frankly, Catholicism, a lot of our worship is transactional. So, like, for example, with St. Joseph, we leave him an offering based on how good our previous year was. So it's more of like a reward or punishment. Yeah. So this is the energy we are bringing to whatever beliefs you have in terms of deities or divine beings. You're calling in a favor. If you are not in a space to care for yourself, find something else to care for. It can be very small. It can be someone you love. I mentioned a plant, which I find works really well, but that's just the witch in me. I also find that helping other people who are struggling with mental health Helps me when I'm in that space. So my elaborate ruse behind this podcast has now been revealed to you. And the last thing I mentioned was mantras. Using quick, snappy phrases. Something short that you can meditate on, that you can repeat, that you can charge with power while you are lying in bed and crying, and that you can just call on when you need it most when you're getting into that extra dark space. And it doesn't have to be rational or particularly meaningful. It's an interruption. It's cutting them off at the pass. So, the other kind of magic that helps at this time is compartmentalization. And I have one ritual for it that I recommend above all others. And it's a little bit elaborate, but it works and It's worth it Here's what you do You find two rocks You lie on the floor You place one rock on your forehead And one on your belly Or if you don't want to lie on your back Just place them on two spots on your body where they can rest And then you cry And you feel all your feelings Everything you've been trying to hold back, to be a good grown-up, just feel it. And... when you're out of tears, you take those rocks, you hold them in your hands and thank them, and then you put them in a little mason jar. Add a bit of dirt and something pretty. Seal the jar and put it in the corner. The tough part is you will have to open the jar later. You will have to process those emotions. But right now, we're just gonna tuck them away and create a little space. You seal them in a jar because a jar can be unscrewed and reopened. I always add dirt or something that represents Earth to me. It can be... I mean, the rocks do already, but because it's grounding and you had something pretty because it's self-care I usually use a ribbon and tuck it away you can bury it it's nice, get it the heck out of here I usually hide it behind books I have bookshelves so I pull out some books tuck it away behind and hide it out of sight, out of mind and you'll feel lighter you'll have transferred some of your pain to these objects that will hold them for you, temporarily. And then maybe you can start working on those other tasks. You can go to the doctor, you can try to go for a run, or get outside, or call your friends, or family, if you're one of those people who has a decent relationship with their family, can't relate, but if you do, call them. And then later, a few weeks you probably got from this, when you're somewhere more stable, Open the jar, take out the rocks, thank them again for holding on to that, and just let yourself go back to that space and feel those feelings again. And you'll find it more bearable this time. You'll be, you're not on a paddle board on water anymore, you're just on some like loose sand, you know? It's still not the most solid foundation, but at least it's the ground, right? Start there. Another version of compartmentalizing that kind of crosses over with the previous thing is a mantra I use, which is, not yet. If I'm starting to feel an emotion that's too big for me to deal with right now, I just say, not yet. I'll get there, just not yet. And sometimes just saying that out loud to yourself is enough to postpone the emotion to a time where you have a bit more space. I use this a lot when I'm at work because I don't get mental health leave. So I have to keep slugging it out in that nine to five. And you can only cry at work so many times before people start to get suspicious. So instead of that, when I'm starting to feel emotional, I say, not yet. On a side note though, people are weirdly normal with seeing their coworkers get upset. I don't know what, I guess we're all in late-stage capitalism together, so it's not that shocking anymore, but I was, I was at work and I was in a, a one-on-one meeting with and she was asking me about something, and it was the smallest little obstacle in the world. Uh, something had gone wrong with, it, whatever, and I just, I just started crying, just sobbing, and... She just said, like, oh, wow, I didn't know you cared so much about marketing strategies. <laughs> I care zero about marketing strategies. <laughs> but she got me a glass of water. She asked me if I want to meet up later. And it was fine. It's not the end of the world. Like, The thing is, we all know that it's hard out here. And I think it's really easy to judge yourself and worry about being perceived as weak or of poor character or something because you, you feel things a little too much right now. But, honestly, here's depression's nasty secret, is that almost everyone has to deal with it at some point. Like I said, some people might only deal with it in times of grief or trauma, Versus others just because of mental illness. But we're all going to have times in our life where we're emotionally unstable. And we break down at really inopportune moments. Like a marketing meeting. (laughs) And almost everyone I've met, even people you wouldn't expect, kind of get that. And I don't know if that's acceptance. Or if it's just a little sad that we're all so used to being so sad. But I think it's important to remember that you're not alone That we're all in this shithole together And we're gonna make it through And we're gonna be wonderful Because we've got magic We are going to create the fairy dust And the happy thoughts our own way We don't need no bullshit Tinkerbell Living is hard and witchcraft makes everything more wonderful and sacred and magic so take care of yourselves out there feel your feelings cry into rocks upset your marketing managers and of course stay magic Oh, hello there. Welcome to the slightly less triggering version of this podcast. If you would like to hear the uber sad edition, you can stop this one and go listen to the other version of this episode, or you can hang out with me here and listen to the unedited version of free music at the top of this episode. Fun fact. Uh, For Halloween, I was looking for, like, witchy music, royalty-free witchy music, and (laughs) almost every version of witch songs include a xylophone, and I don't know why. So, to the witches listening, please meet me at the town hall next Friday to be issued your standard witch xylophone, uh, which you can use to summon witches at any time. Oh, I like this part. You know, not enough royalty-free music has a horn section that plays along with the creepy xylophone. For the curious, this song is called Brewing Potions. Okay, cool, let's talk about depression.